sales win rates have plummeted to a mere 17%, and outdated technology and tedious manual processes are to blame. Meanwhile, managers lack the visibility they need to hold their teams accountable. But imagine a world in which these crippling issues are solved automatically. Revenue.io automates the most frustrating parts of sales so reps can focus on what they do best, selling. Completely automate pre-call research, logging conversation data in your CRM, writing post-conversation recap emails, and prioritized outreach. And as reps book more meetings and close more deals, managers gain the real-time insight they need to scale what's working across their entire team. Ready to say goodbye to tedious sales processes and watch your win rate soar? Head over to Revenue.io to learn more. Before you walk out the door, I would have a conversation with it. Give them the opportunity. Before you go blow it up and don't come with an offer in hand and say, I'm going to take this with you. So he ended up staying. And I desperately need salespeople. Okay. And he was a great salesperson. And I said to him, look at it. It's going to take you time to build up your pipeline here. You're going to feel more stress. And I said, is now the right time for you to do it in your life? Hi friends. Welcome to the sales enablement podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was my friend, Bridget Gleason. Bridget is the chief sales officer at Silk, the database supercharger, as well as, as you'll hear, has the distinction of being the most frequent guest ever on this podcast. Now, as always, Bridget and I start off by talking about books that we've recently read. Then we dive into a topic that is of importance to many sellers these days and sales leaders as as well. Namely, how long should someone stay in a position? For instance, how long should a salesperson stay at a particular company before making the decision to make a change? So we dive into the factors that you should consider, uh, whether to stay or whether to go. We dig into what it takes to maintain your enthusiasm throughout your career. What are the motivators that keep your head in the game and keep your energy focused on the buyers? Whether you're, again, an individual contributor or a sales leader, So we get into all this and much, much more. But before we get to Bridget, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could leave us a review, give us your feedback about how we're doing. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Bridget, welcome back to the show. Hello, Andy. It's really nice to be back. So for people that don't track the show, haven't tracked the show over all thousand plus episodes... Bridget holds the record for greatest number of guest appearances. Thank you. Thank you. By by a fairly substantial margin. Thank you. I like that too. I think, uh, what did we decide last time? I think it was 130 appearances on the show. This would be 131. 131 already? Already? It's amazing. I think the next next highest is probably six. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So you and I, you and I can chat about a lot of things over and over. Same things, same topics. Well, I don't think we have, but yeah, we could. So people who don't know is, is early in the history of this, this podcast. Bridget was my guest every week 
That's right. Frontline Friday. Frontline Fridays. Uh-huh. So we, we uh, had a lot, well, 130 almost, well, maybe 120 of that. You've been back a number of times since then. So I miss those weekly, weekly talks. I know. I do too. I, I miss the weekly talks, although I will say that how does a schedule get busier with the same number of hours? Like, I don't know how it's possible. I don't know how it's possible. Like I'm always busy and it just feels like maybe I'm just, I've got less control than I'd like to think that I have. Oh, I definitely feel like that right now. Yes. I mean, we're in the midst of launching this new book and which is a great book, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. We talked about that. Your last time here is, is, uh, yeah, we could spend every hour of the day times two working on things to help help uh, launch a product, a book, uh, get the word out and so on. So yeah, I, I feel what you're feeling. Yeah. So, and where in you, where are you in your empire today? In the vast global empire, Andy Paul empire. The, I am in New York city. The New York, uh, the East. Yeah. The East empire. Eastern headquarters, Eastern headquarters. Yes. And it's, it's snowing, which is great. Why is it great? I'm a Midwestern kid. I grew up in Wisconsin. I, I, one of my favorite things in the world to do, I think we've talked about this. One of my favorite things in the world to do is to run when it's snowing. Yeah. It's just something about, especially not necessarily when it was like five, six inches on the ground, but like one of the first inch or so, you know, to see your, I love running in a place where no one's come before, you know, in terms of since it's snowed. So I see my footprints going out and see my footprints coming back. And are you planning um, to go for a run? Uh, I'm thinking about it. Yeah. When we're done here. Yeah. Nice. It depends. It depends. The footing's treacherous and maybe just a walk, but uh, yeah, if it's pretty clear, we'll get some running in. So what I'm planning to do for my California empire is after we're Mm -hmm. done, not right after we're done, but a little later is I'm going to go for a swim outside. Outside. I know. I know. I know. I don't mean to, I mean, you know, because you have a West coast empire. So yeah. Yeah. We swim. Like to do that, yeah. Can't get on my bike here because it's a little treacherous out. But um, yeah, yeah. Oh, Running though. in the snow. Oh great. Yeah, but I don't know. When was it about five, six years or so? Five or six years or so ago, I uh, did Facebook Live. I was out on a run along the East River <laughs> in the snow, and people thought I was nuts. <laughs> For good reason. For good reason. Nothing better. It's just it's so quiet. You know, dampens all the sound, and especially in a big city. That's cool. Yeah, but tomorrow, all hell's supposed to break loose with the one of these you know bomb cyclones. I've heard. So, yeah, the possibility of I don't know. They've given a range two to sixteen inches. So I know it's all over the news. A, yeah, I figured we make a catastrophe of everything. Look at I was in Boston. Yeah. You yeah. know. So yeah. I, I, I get weather. I yeah. was in Chicago yesterday, two days ago, yesterday, was in Chicago yesterday. So yeah, there's weather there too. That's always risky at this time of year, flying out. To Chicago? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've been delayed. I probably spent an extra three or four days of my life in O'Hare waiting for flying planes to take off in bad weather. You know, I, I, I was touched by the travel gods Everything, everything was early, actually. 
landed in Chicago early, got home early. So my timing was good. You know, perhaps if I had left this weekend, things would be a little bit muckier because there's a lot of weather out there. But Mm -hmm. my timing was good. So does this mean that you and your team are back to traveling to meet customers? Uh, Yes. 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 How does one feel about that? Yeah, I was going to ask you, is, is, I mean, is this you wanting to meet with your customers or your customers saying, hey, let's get together or both? It's both. I think people are, we don't, they're not typically big groups. They're smaller groups. Mm-hmm. And we do all the precautions of COVID testing before and masking and vaccinations. You know, we do all of that, which is still risky, still risky. Um, but yeah, it's a combination. I, I would say we're busy, like we're meeting, we are meeting people. So, but I'm saying, is it, uh, is it your seller suggesting it or the, the buyers both. equally welcoming it? Both. Yeah. Both. I think both sides are eager to get out, to get out, <laughs> you know, to go give me a reason to change out of sweats. Actually, I don't wear sweats when I'm working at my, like I get dressed to go to work, even if I right. just come into my home office and then I change right. after like I, today it's casual Friday. So yeah, I saw we're sort of matchy matchy a little bit. Yeah, with we, we are matchy matchy. Black, black mock turtlenecks. Yes. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think people are eager, eager to get out. And it's funny how there is something about meeting face-to-face, in-person, that you just get another dimension of everything. It's, mm-hmm. I feel really grateful that, um, that we are. And I mean, I, I'll probably be traveling just about every week, not every week, every other week. Like it's, there's a lot of Now, Granted, I have a big team. So, um, sure. Well, how many people on your team? And counting, hmm. I don't know, 25, 30. Okay. We're not going to name them because we don't want anybody to feel left out in case you can't remember. But um, so are you finding that your customers are, that you're going to meet? Are you meeting them in their offices? They're back in the office? No. Where are you meeting? Sometimes like at a WeWork. Like we'll okay. find a common, we'll find a common meeting. Sometimes if we right. meet at the office. It's a, it, it's a conference room that they've got downstairs. Like mm-hmm. most of our customers have an option to go work yeah. part-time the office when it, whenever yeah. they want. So sometimes we'll do that. So many people are remote. You know, teams are so distributed. As soon as companies said, you know, we're not going to be coming back to the office for a while, people moved like they moved Mm -hmm. they're out with it they're out of commute distance right yeah and so sometimes when we meet it's like well i'm not commute distance to the office anymore let's go meet at this and there's all kinds of locations that have popped up where you can do couple hour meetings easily yeah i mean yeah any sort of co-working spaces is a possibility for that yeah i i I haven't really had the call yet to go meet customers and that's coming up with, with everything we're doing at the book and so on. Um, but my sense is from talking to people is that 
Yeah, I, I feel like there's going to be a rush at some point during 2022 where, to your point, people just want to get back to doing it. I know. That we're going to see, see a big uptick. I, I think also perhaps there's people understand what the risks are when they go mm-hmm. to a better extent and what it might look like. Right. Um, and they are like, I'll just speak for myself. I am okay. Like I'm super careful. I'm double masked. I'm careful. The places we go, everybody needs to be vaccinated. Like I'm careful. COVID testing, all of that, even still no guarantee of anything. No, no, no. Uh, But I'm, I've also, for me, I'm willing to, if I get it, the uh, greatest chance is that I'll be sick for a couple of days. Like I won't feel great for a couple of days, but I'll be okay. And it just seems that after a couple of days, um, yeah, you may not feel great, but you're, you're okay. Like you, you, you can continue to function and it's okay. So I, I guess I'm willing to take, I'm willing to take the risk. Sure. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) there's, uh, fairly significant chance you may have had it already. <laughs> and so that's true. And we just don't know. That's as true. Many of us. That's true. I mean, I yeah. absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've been traveling monthly basically for the last seven months and yeah, I mean, I sort of figure even before then there's some chance you'd already had it, Correct. Um, but possibly even have even now. I mean, double vax boosted, Who's to say? Yeah, and the testing, you know, I do, I test, obviously. I haven't tested positive, but the the at-home test kits are not the most accurate. No, no. And I don't have any symptoms. Like, I'm not, so again, I, and you know what, Andy, if I'm not traveling, what you see here. That's your world, right? Right here. And all the people here. Do you see all the people? I see Those are people. all the yeah, people that I interact with, and I feel comfortable of, with all of them. Audience. <laughs> yeah. okay, I know all of their, I know all of their health histories, so yeah. I feel comfortable. You can probably imagine that Bridget's pointing to no one sitting behind her. Yes, right. um, but it's a very nice setting you've got there. Yeah, so um, yeah, I think this travel, I think this will be an interesting year. Certainly. Looks like more uh, organizations are committed to doing like live events. Certainly, we are. see conferences coming back. We're going so. to, yeah, we've got conferences we're going to. We're doing a sales training. We're getting, we're getting. Wait, sales training, and you didn't invite me. I know, Andy. I know. Right, Unfortunately, Bridget. they get me. That's <laughs> who they get. They get me. All right. Well, you have to bring in your hidden guest or your mystery guest at some point. That's so. right. That's a good idea. So to that end, when you come, we always talk about books. So what have you read recently that is, yeah, too good not to mention? I'm trying, I I was trying to think of what if I read, I'm going to tell you what I've listened to recently because it's okay. maybe, yeah. you listen, I right. listened to a podcast with Frank Slootman, who's the CEO of Snowflake. Okay. And it was actually recommended to me by, he was a sales engineer for me many years ago. He's now started a company. Like, Wait, Frank, Frank 
was this an SE no, for no, you? No, 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 no. The person who recommended God, that would be something oh, that would also okay. date me even more. Yeah. Yeah. I was a hunt. I'm a hundred years old. Uh-huh. <clears throat> no, but this person who recommended it worked for me and, and he's now started a company. So he's, and that was a really interesting, it was a really interesting podcast on, he, he just has a, he has a, I work for an Israeli company and I, we really resonate with Mm -hmm. that style of all in and Mm -hmm. extreme ownership and velocity and challenging assumptions that you make. Like, for example, let's say I decide that we're going to double our ARR next year. And maybe that's mm-hmm. aggressive. He would challenge, well, why isn't it? Why aren't you going to triple? What would need to happen for you to triple? Like just, just interesting around his philosophy around. He was talking about early on in his career. He didn't fit in some of these companies. This kind of reminds me of things that you talked about you in the book where you're like, mm-hmm. mm, you're like kind of the fish out of water, odd man out. Right, right. Um, and so it wasn't until he was able to run the show and became CEO when he could really take ownership of all of it. So that's, I, I finished that yesterday. And so that's that's the one that's most top of mind for me right now. And what was the podcast? Start up. Let me, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. Give me one. Sure. Let's give people a shout out. Well, this, this week in startups. This week in startups. Okay. This week in and who's startups. the host? Jason Calacanis. Oh, Jason Calacanis. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I enjoyed that. That's, that's the other things I've been reading. I guess one of the books I read is, was about, um, Lucille Ball. Oh, I loved, I loved, I love Lucy. And I, I, uh, actually my, what I think is my daughter said she started watching it. I'm surprised how funny it was. Um, yeah. And I, I watched, I watched that special on, uh, one straight Netflix, I think, or Amazon prime about, uh, she and Desi Arnaz. Desi, Desi Arnaz. It was pretty entertaining. I saw that as well. I think what, so, what struck me about that that perhaps is relevant is just how hard she worked. She worked hard. She didn't mm-hmm. give, give up. I mean, the same sort of tenacity and resilience and determination that I look for in salespeople, she applied that all to her career. Like she really took ownership for it. She didn't accept no. She didn't necessarily believe what someone else thought because they were in a position of authority. You know, there were some things in there that I just thought were just sort of life sort of business Mm -hmm. lessons that she really applied also to her career. And again, taking ownership of it. And there are ups and there are downs and you get told no and you'll never do this. And 
you should be on radio. You're not good in TV. Like the things <laughs> that people tell you. Right. We have to be careful just because someone says it doesn't make it true. No, no, absolutely. I, that was a great part in the, uh, in the movie or, <clears throat> or whatever. Um, yeah, she's being told that, yeah, she just couldn't make it in TV. You can't make That's it. Like, You'll not make it in TV. Yeah, never make it. Then they cast they had cast somebody else in a role that she was up for in a movie. And, yeah, basically saying, yeah. And, and you know, you, I hear that. I, I know you mentor a lot of people and have managed teams and also been, you know, part of organizations that are not always very constructive in feedback (laughs) and how for some people being told you can't do it, you shouldn't do it. You're not good at it. You'll never be good at it, which people are told all the time in a lot of ways, directly and indirectly. I think it's implicit in a lot of the way sales is conducted these days. I mean, the more, the more structured of, of a process that you, the manager thinks that they need to follow what they're saying is we don't have confidence in you, the seller. So follow the process. Right. And so I think the important thing is, gosh, how do we, how do we learn to follow our own voice, intuition mm-hmm. and what we know and our own path and don't get pulled because some don't let, don't, don't let any, don't give anybody else the reins on your life. Don't give it to anybody else. Yeah. Well, I think you talked about it before. It's just challenge assumptions. Yeah. Yeah. I write about it in my book. Yeah. Maybe it's because I was a child of the sixties. That's what we did. We, we questioned everything. Uh, but I did throughout my entire career and have because it's my career. It's not theirs. I mean, if I'm going to, if I'm going to succeed, if I'm going to fail, uh, I want to do it on my own terms. Right. And, and I just, I, I think that curiosity is so important. There's someone who I work with. He's a, he's a peer. He's also on the leadership team. And he said to me that I, he would say, what is that face? What is that face right there that you like, you have this face where it's like blank. Like, what is that face? I said, that's my listening face. It's because I'm listening. That's what listening looks like. Okay. You're quiet. You're, li- right. you're just taking it in. That's what listening looks like. Listen. <laughs> Question. Think about it. Ponder it. It's my listening face. And what did he say? He's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I love this. I love this guy. I often will. I'll, I'll tell him when he'll be talking. I say, you need to listen. Stop. Stop. Listen. Stop and listen. Yeah. So he, he thought it was, uh, he, now he'll just say, oh, that's your, I see it. You're, that's your listening face. Your listening face. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad he calls it that. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, you brought up curiosity. I mean, that's, that is the driver, right? If you're going to challenge assumptions, you're challenging assumptions because you're inherently cur- curious. You think there's a better way to do whatever you're being asked to do. And you want to to really try to understand why, even if you're mm-hmm. not challenging it, why? So I'm working with our sales ops manager, and 
she will do whatever I ask her to do, whatever, do this, create this. And I had this conversation with her actually this week and said, you know, I feel it is my responsibility to you as a someone who I work with to help you develop. And I want you to understand why I'm asking you. Mm-hmm. Because just doing it, I said, you, you won't be, you'll, you'll only be mildly helpful to me. I want to help mm-hmm. you understand so that you can come back and suggest things because you understand. And you'll just be, you'll go further in your career if you understand the whys behind, like, why am I asking? Why mm-hmm. do I want this report? Why do I want this? What does it mean? Why am I asking for it in this way? And to really try to understand it, even if you're not challenging it, it's okay to be curious. You, you need, like, if you understand yeah. it, you're going to be able to offer and provide a better service to me than if you just do what I say. Nobody should just do what I say anyway. Ask my children. They would tell you, <laughs> yeah, we learned that early on. Don't just, yeah, don't just do what he on. says. She says. Yeah. Well, mine work with me. And so I, I get that in spades. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> but I, that's what you want. A hundred percent. As you said, is I, I have lots of ideas. I have lots of thoughts. Yeah. I, I want people to come back and say, well, why is that a good idea or a bad idea? Right. And if it's not a good idea, if it's not a good idea, here's a better idea. And it's like, great. I don't operate from the assumption that I'm, you know, the font of all knowledge and I'm hundred percent correct. It's, I know I'm often, I'm usually wrong more than I'm right. So yeah, ask Vicky. Yeah. 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 She would, she would substantiate that. Yeah, I think so, you're on my side on that one. Yeah, you do. So yeah, I agree. Well, I think the same thing is true in sales. It's like, we teach sellers how to do things, but we won't give them the why behind it. And so it becomes very rote, but sometimes they don't feel like they have the freedom to even question the why. And, and that needs to be more explicit. And when we train people is, is, Hey, here's sort of a framework for how we do things. How can you make it fit for you? Yeah. And why does it work that way? I'd say that's a, it's a really, it's a really good point. I asked some of the um, new sales team that I have to record these two different presentations. So I want you to give them, record them, and send them mm-hmm. to me. I want to review them. And I said, I'm. I, I said, let me tell you my purpose for having you do it. It's not that you memorize a script. Mm-hmm. It's that you become familiar and comfortable and that you understand it and it forces you to go through it and think about what do I understand or what do I not understand? I am not looking for a perfectly delivered script, not looking for that. What I'm looking Mm -hmm. for is insight around this presentation and how, because if you understand it, you'll have a better interaction with the prospect than if you just, I can, I can do, I can have a, professional record it and I can just put it on play if that's what I want. right. Yeah. Well, I think that was the key point though, is you said interaction and this is what buyers say that they're missing, right? Is, is 
thoughtful, insightful interaction as opposed to just being pitched at? Well, and I find that most people's comfort zone is to pitch. You can just say it. Nobody's going to ask me anything. I'm just going to go through it really fast. Okay, I'm done. Like it's, and there is, there's an art to being, to having a presentation, not be using PowerPoint. I shouldn't call it presentation using PowerPoint or whatever, whatever to facilitate a conversation. But it's marketing can present marketing should present you marketing presents. We converse. Mm-hmm. And so don't use, I don't want anybody to use the, the presentations as a crutch so that you don't have to have a conversation. Well, then, so let's go through that. So, how do you coach your sellers to use a deck? Well, I first coach them not to. That's good. Okay. Okay. So, we start there. And yeah. I found that, um, oh my gosh, that can be, that's so much more conversational. So I like them to be able to have it without a deck. So first mm-hmm. is <clears throat> to be able to have a conversation without a deck. Then if you if you do have a deck, it's a god it's so hard. It's it's a it's a, it's a tool it's a it's a tool to aid a conversation. It has to be I want a picture's worth a thousand words. If there's a picture right that's going to help, then it's okay to use it. If you just have a bunch of words on a slide, I don't think that's great. Do one or the other. Do one or the other, yeah. but don't do both. What would you say for that? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd always like to be prepared with the deck and then never use it. True. And so that was sort of my sort of MO, if I could, is, is to your point, is I'd make sure I really understood what was in there, but then use that to have a conversation if you can. I mean, great to whiteboard. You know, you have a deck. You may, I mean, first of all, the, at least in, in uh, in-person meetings, there'd always be a palpable sigh of relief when you didn't open your laptop oh. and went to the whiteboard. People much preferred that, and especially if you could get the, the buyer engaged with the conversation, come up to the whiteboard, help diagram things, and so on. And you can obviously do some of that virtually as well with whiteboarding. Um, but yeah, to me, the ideal state is be prepared to use your deck and then don't use it. And Zoom or whatever, video conferencing, whatever you use, it, it complicates it because cameras are on or off. People are getting distracted other windows are open. It just, it, it makes it, you just have to be more skillful at yeah, managing there's a choreography that you need, right. There's a choreography you need to master, especially if you're meeting with a group of people on the other side where, you know, when is a good time to have the slide up? When's a good time to have your, yourself up? You know, if you're making a point that's more personal, asking a question, take the slide down. I mean, yeah, it's a little more demanded of you. That's true. That's why I like going in person. It's like the lazy man's way, the lazy person's way. A lazy person's way? I mean, not really. You got to be, you definitely have to be all on in a face. Well, I think as you, as you go back into it though, and I, I'm interested if you find this is that you begin to notice the things that are missing 
from the virtual. And it's not the argument that you can't get things done virtual. It's what's, what's the quality difference? And is there a quality difference? And I personally, I think, sure. Been doing things virtually for decades. It's still different in person. If you have the choice, if it's available to you, I think it becomes a differentiator. I think those people are willing to go back out and meet with the buyers. Cause I think I don't really buy for a second. The research that comes out and says buyers don't want to talk to sellers. I think buyers don't want to talk to sellers who can't add value and, and, but they do want to talk to people that are going to help them make a decision. So you have that opportunity. I think that's going to become a, a thing and you'll see what you missed on the virtual when you start doing it again. Yeah. And so much can be done virtually. So much like it's, 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 it has its place. It definitely has its place in person has its place, but it's always, you know, I think you and I've talked about this before. Is this something that sort of drives me nuts is that maybe because I spent most of my career working for companies that were resource constrained is we couldn't just travel willy nilly. No, we only traveled for a distinct purpose. I mean, for the bulk of my career, you know, I had a 15-year block where I was doing heavily international sales. It almost all was virtual. I mean, I traveled a lot, but I mean, look at the number of prospects I was working on and so on. You know, we'd close large, you know, seven, eight-figure deals, seeing a customer two or three times. Right. And the rest were all done virtually. Right. So... But you traveled with a, a purpose. And I think this is the thing that maybe a lesson a lot of companies learned during the pandemic is that, yeah, you can get by without travel. Sure, you can get these things done. I, a, I don't believe it's as, it's people have been as productive without it. Um, but the people have used it in a lazy fashion, that's gone. You know, if you're just saying, look, I have to go out and meet them for whatever reason, and you know, the customer doesn't gain value from it. You're just wasting their time and energy. Nah, very directed travel. Travel with a distinct purpose. I I, <clears throat> I agree. I think even one of my new salespeople has a a call with one of our partners, and I challenged him to make sure that he is going to add value to that call. What I don't want you to do is just show up and say, hey, your partner, what are you working on? Right. So before you go meet with him, I need to know what you're going to, how you're going to add value. So go do your research, go look at what accounts they have. What do you know? Be really clear on how you are going to bring value to this individual in this meeting. Yeah. Well, I think it's, as I write about in the book, because you have to do that for every interaction, but it's mm-hmm. double. <laughs> I think it's double important if it's going to be in person because you're not only spending their time, you're spending your time too. I mean, you're going to be out of pocket in an in unproductive state for some period of that, you know, travel to and from. What's the justification for it? Yeah, I worked for somebody so early in the time when I was doing extensive international travel. It's like his go-to question is always, "Well, can we do this on the phone?" Right. Right. What did somebody, um, my SDR manager got me a t-shirt that says, 
this meeting should have been an email, (laughs) (laughs) which I think is this in-person meeting should have been a Zoom call. You know, it's sort of the same. same Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, again, not to beat a dead horse, but I think they, a lot of, a lot of companies will rush back to want to travel, but you just have to do it intelligently. True. So a different question I wanted to ask you about is, is a conversation I've had sort of with increasing frequency because, you know, a lot of people have left jobs looking to go to new jobs during this period. Yeah. So the question of when, when should you change? All right. Or what, or what are the criteria you should use to, to help you? And certainly know the research says, Hey, people are, or don't leave jobs, they leave managers. Certainly that's a factor of it. But there's always been this element of wanting to go to the latest, greatest thing, chasing you know the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But I think more often than not, it, it sort of ends in a bad spot or a spot you didn't intend to go to. So how do you, how are you counseling your sellers or you know, other people that you mentor about yeah, how do you make that decision about when's the right time to go and, and what, what should be the motivations? Gosh, Andy, you would almost think that I planted that question because... Oh, you didn't, no. No, yeah. I didn't, but two it was two weeks ago. Maybe not quite yet, probably two weeks ago, I was interviewing somebody. He had already interviewed with a couple of people. He was interviewing for a sales role. Mm-hmm. And... So when I met with him, I asked him, so why are we even having this conversation? Like what's happening at your current company? And I knew he had another offer on the table. And he told me that he's been at his current company five, five and a half years, really likes the people, likes the team, just, but just doesn't feel like he's, he's not making as much as he could be making and he's found that out in the market because he's got this other offer. Mm-hmm. Exactly perfect. He just bought a house. He's got a two-year-old at home. So he's telling me these things. And I said, okay, I'm going to take my chief sales officer hat up from Silk off right now. And let's just talk. And I said, if you're open to it, let's just talk about what you want to do in your career. And I ended up advising him to go that day and talk to his manager or his manager's manager and say, listen, I, I, like I said, you don't want to, you, if you don't want to burn any bridges. Mm -hmm. So to say, you know what? I, I like this company. I like what I'm doing. I, I want to be here. I've got these practical considerations with a two year old, and a new home. I'm obviously we're all getting, you know, a lot of inquiries from other companies. And I said, before you walk out the door, I would, I would have a conversation with it. Give them the opportunity to, before you go blow it up and don't come with an offer in hand and say, I'm going to take this. Will you? So he ended up um, staying. So here, and I desperately need salespeople. Okay. And he was a great salesperson, (laughs) but it doesn't do me any good if he's, and and I said to him, look at, it's going to take you time to build up your pipeline here. 
You're going to feel more stress. And I said, is now the right time for you to do it in your life? Is now the right time? And I said, I don't know. It may or may not be. Um, Anyway, so I think, I guess to answer your question, I think it's very specific to the individual and the situation they're in. So for this young man... um, we would invested a lot of time in that that company. And clearly things must have been going pretty well because they'd been there for, you said, five plus years. Five plus years. So, yes, there were other industries he may want to get into. And and I said, great. It And you still, you still may decide to go do that. It may just not be right at this moment. But if they tell you they can't meet what you need, and you can tell them it's okay if you can't. I understand if there are reasons internally when you can't or choose not to do this, and that's okay. I'm, mm-hmm. I just need to. So it, it's, I think it's very, it's, I, I talked to somebody else today who my, again, somebody interviewing for a job. Mm-hmm. Who mm-hmm. I, said, you know what, if I were you, I'd stay a little while. I'd stay. Like, it doesn't sound like the right time for you to go. You haven't right. been here that long. You haven't been to the company that long. You're just starting to ramp up. It's not that you don't have the skills, but maybe see it through a little bit longer. There are others I talked to who it seems that for, I mean, all kinds of reasons why people do leave. It could be a toxic environment. Um, sure. I'm I'm just not one that to chase money, just to chase money. Like you want you want how you're paid to be like table stakes. This is my rubric. Mm-hmm. So I I have to be within the right range, but I'm not just gonna chase a dollar because oh this person's gonna this company's gonna pay me twenty percent more. Or Right. I mean one thing I've seen a fair amount and it's actually a sort of Three people, sort of, you know, relatively newer in their career, been AEs, had jumped, and I just remember over the holidays, I was sort of checking on all of them, sort of see if they were still at the place they jumped to, and in really in space a year, two of the three had already gone on to a yet a third company. Well, the, uh, okay, so that's a good point. So the other question I ask, and sometimes yeah. that happens. You make a mistake. Sometimes it sure. happens. But part of the question I think about is, or that I will ask, are you leaving a company or are you joining a company? Mm-hmm. And you really want to be joining a company, not just leaving something. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I'm leaving, so I'm going to go, you know, jump on any life raft that's out there. But what are you, where, what's a company that you want to join? I want to join this company. And what are the reasons that I want to join this company? Because that's a, those are two separate decisions. Deciding this is not the right place for me anymore is one decision. Mm-hmm. Then if, if, if I've made that decision that this is not the right place, then the next decision is, all right, what's a, where is a place that I want to join? Where do I want to be a part of it? Those are two separate decisions. Oh yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and I think, and I think people interest- people combine them. I'm ready to leave, oh, yeah. so they'll go take something. You know. Yeah, well, I mean, these people I tracked 
and I spent more time with one of them than, than the other two, but it seemed like they all felt they were leaving for something, at least on the surface of it. Um, but I, I think that it goes in waves, but I think we've sort of reached, uh, and obviously part of it induced me perhaps by COVID, but sort of a fever pitch of people sort of grasping for that next, that next thing. And I don't know. Sometimes it pays to stay put. Yeah, I like think- that that gentleman that you spoke to. That you know, five and a half years. I would I would guess that what he's learned in that period of time is in the experiences he had in a sort of more uh, coherent fashion. Perhaps the sum of those are greater than if he had been at three jobs during that five years. Yeah, he sent me a really nice note after that. Just thanking me for coaching him, like how to have the, like we went through how to have the conversation, when to have the conversation. Like we went through the whole thing and he just said, I really appreciate you don't know me. Here I'm this random and you took the time to coach me through something that was difficult and I was really confused about. And I'm so happy with my decision. And I'm like, it was a very, I think he also felt good about his decision. I think part of the issue now Andy and why people may be making the jump is I think people are tired. I think our resilience isn't where it needs to be. I think, Mm -hmm. I think there's this hope that there's some other shiny object environment that's going to be better than the one I'm in, but there's, they're doing zoom too, just like this one, like, like you know, so I think there's, I think there's just a professional fatigue that we're experiencing some of it. It's probably not great for everybody to do it, but just everybody just trying to shed this COVID skin um, and hoping they'll it, land somewhere different. Yeah, but interesting, what I was reading into what you're saying, though, is, is which I think is absolutely due to COVID, is people are looking for belonging. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, that's certainly understandable. I mean, it's, we've all been isolated, even in the best of circumstances, you know, people have been, yeah, they've been working remote with, you know, well-intentioned managers are still isolated. Yeah. And it's an isolating profession anyway that we're in. Yeah. I, I, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way, but it's, it's, yeah. Just belonging and I, just Optimate, like it just, I think everybody wants a fresh start and it, and it's, yeah. I think it gets transferred to work, mm-hmm. even if it's, I just want this behind me. And so a lot of things, we throw the baby out with the bathwater. I right. want this, I don't want another 2021. And so I'm just going to get a fresh start. And so I think a lot of it gets thrown out with that also, that maybe in I don't know what normal times is anymore, but if there were a normal time in the previous, you know, five years, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if people would be as restless as they are. That's interesting. Yeah. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's fascinating. It's bringing it up. I mean, it's a sense of belonging. I think a sense of control as well is, you know, we're in an environment where they're literally, is no escape. 
I mean, anywhere you want, short of going into outer space, anywhere you're going to go. I know they're getting, it sounds like we're getting ready though, like to live on the moon and then Mars is next. I read an article today about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. Well, my sisters, like I, when I feel out of control and work like stuff is swirling in COVID, I organize to within an inch of my life. Like, so you go ex- extreme Marie Kondo-ish? Yeah, if you saw my garage, okay, as an example, it's beautiful. And my garage <laughs> is beautiful. It's neat. It's organized. The bins that I have are matching. Everything's in wow. its place. Like, it's, and I had a lot of these bins collected over the years, but they didn't all right. match. So I go, I go to, I just organize because I can control it. I can put things in a drawer mm-hmm. and I don't have a lot of other people in my house. Like I showed you here, there's not a lot wandering around and it stays. The spoons stay where they're supposed to stay. Like I am in full control of the drawer. <laughs> and that brings me a lot of pleasure because nothing else I can control. Nothing else I can control. Yeah. Sadly. Can you come? My drawer, I can control. Right. All right. We're going to have to hire you to come declutter. I, I love it. I love it. It All brings right. me, it I'll brings talk, me joy. I'll talk to Vicki. She knows you. So talk yeah, it's safe to, to we'll bring do it together. In. She and I will have a blast. You'll be surprised at how slow our progress is because we'll be taking breaks to go take a walk. Yeah. Well, let's go take a break and have lunch. You know, let's go take a break. Like we'll have a lot of breaks, but we'll get it done. All right. All right. Well, we'll start in San Diego. You come down to San right. Diego from your your Northern vast California. ranch in Northern California. Right. Let's do that. And yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Well, it sounds like a date. All right. Let me know. Vicky. I don't want to yeah, surprise her. Why is Bruce is coming down to organize our house? <laughs> yeah, that puts fear in the in my sisters. Oh yeah, you're coming. Yeah, because they know. No. Oh, she'll no. Yeah, they know all organized. Well, see, there's always like a fear when my my sister comes to visit because hyper organized, hyper neat is like okay. You know what you want to do is catch her sort of like idly wiping down your counters. <laughs> <laughs> is that you? No. You go someplace else and you're like, yeah. I, don't think I, mean, she's, down I, I think I think I think she, I think she does it completely unconsciously. Totally. No, I don't yeah, need to wipe like, down the counters. And actually, okay. I am so okay with anybody's house the way it is. It actually, yeah. but if anybody, I do, my friends and family do have me come and help because I, 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 I enjoy it. I'm not like Marie Kondo. Like it's, it's not quite yeah. so rigid except for myself. Well, and my first wife and I were first married a few years out of college. And I think we bought our first home not too far after that as, yeah, my mom had a name for it when she and my dad would come to visit. It's called camping. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah, we're going camping. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. It's going to our coming come to our house. That's great. That is fantastic. Yeah, an indictment. Uh, I thought, yeah, we were pretty good. I thought, but that's uh, fantastic. My mom had standards that were more more extreme than. Than I've lived with uh, most of my life, yeah. Sort of a reaction. Good. All right, well, Bridget. And pleasure as always to talk with you. Always until the next time. I think we talked about sales a little bit. Maybe you're going to need to cut out the first part. 
Oh, no, no, no. No, it's part of the chit chat that people get used to. Like, when are they going to get to the topic? Eventually. Let's say they have to go back and listen to some of the old episodes with us because that's what. I know. Remember when we talked about people, running? That's what people like. Yeah. We about running forever. And it's like, oh my God, we have five minutes left. Okay, what should we talk about? How about prospecting? Well, that's because you are the person that would get up at, what, 4 5 o'clock in the morning? Four, hello. Four in the morning. Four. In the dark. In the heart of Boston I and go out running by your, go out running by yourself. I know. I know. Like they, they make mini series and, and made for TV movies about uh, people that didn't survive doing that. I so. know. I did though. Yeah, I know. And now but, I'm in California and I ride a bike in the mornings instead. Oh, you're biking now. I do more biking. Very cool. Yeah. In fact, Very one cool. morning and then I will let you go and me go is I'm biking, I'm going up a hill, okay? And I'm not going fast up a hill. It's a steep hill. And I look over and I could almost reach out and touch a mountain lion, okay? The mountain lion is one hop to my neck, okay? One short hop to my neck. Mountain lion, though, probably got a look and was like, that's like there's no meat on those bones. Like that is absolutely not worth it. I'm going to wait for a dog like... So this was dark. Yeah. So you had light on your bike. Yeah. Okay. That probably. I really like that. Yeah. They, they're probably not as excited about the light. Yeah. I've had one saunter across the road in front of me on a ride. He was crouched. Like he was in the jumping position. Oh, okay. That would be scary. Yes. Yeah. This one was like, uh, uh, when I first saw it, it was like 50 yards in front of me and was not going to get out of the way. I basically sort of had to go around him a little bit. He <laughs> just started walking slowly across the, uh, a road. Um, but yeah, that would have that would have been scary. But I survived, didn't I? You did. Here I am. I mean, there was. I to tell. There was that story in in was it Orange County where two people were riding, like riding mountain bikes off or just off a road. They pulled off on the shoulder. Uh, I think. One of the guys was going to take a leak and uh, got grabbed. I know. I know. And somebody, his friend, pulled him to safety. I know. I didn't have a friend to pull me to safety, so it was, yeah. it was okay. me. And I, I live a charmed life. Yeah, I, obviously, yeah. All right. Well, when you come to San Diego to organize, bring your bike. We'll, we'll okay. ride. Okay. Sounds good. All right, Bridget. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my guest, Bridget Gleason, for sharing her insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you for your help with that. And thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Hey, sales strategists. At Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales. 
We're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence. With Revenue.io, you can slash call prep time to seconds, guide your reps in real time to have more successful conversations, and after calls, we generate ready-to-send recap emails so sellers can keep deals soaring toward the finish line at light speed. See the future of sales now at Revenue.io.